Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Adam Plowsing. If you'd like to find out more about the house, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. We've been going through this sermon series called Gains the past couple of weeks. And this past Sunday, we talked about how there is more. That there is more that God has a next step for you. That God has a plan for you. Now, now when we talk about how there is more, um, there's also a physical context that kind of goes along with that. You know, of hitting the gym, you know, getting that iron, you know, getting the curls for the girls, getting that Arnold Schwarzenegger body, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so when we talk about there, there, there's more, it's not that there is more protein, you need, you need more protein in your diet, or you need more creatine, or you need more pre-workout, although I did just chug a C4 before I came up here. So if I'm a little bit twitchy, you guys will just know why. Um, but today's message is going to be called Everyone Needs a Spotter. And so a- as we get started here, you know, I figured that, you know, since I am going to be preaching on gains, that, that I should probably do a little bit of research on, on actually how we grow in physical strength as well. Um, unfortunately, I didn't pay that great of attention in my ninth grade biology class. And so, um, but not to fear, with a couple quick Google searches, I was able to refresh my memory on how you actually grow. And, and it was crazy as I was reading it. Um, I learned that uh, the way that we actually grow in muscle strength is actually by working a specific muscle group until the point that the individual muscle fibers actually begin to break down. And then it's only then that they fuse themselves back together, forming what are called myofibrils, um, resulting in hypertrophy. See, I sound smart there, right? Um, But AKA, you know, getting swole, getting ripped, jacked, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson arms, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so it's in that moment that when we push ourselves beyond what is comfortable, that it's actually then and only then that we actually experience gains. And I was just reading through this, and I don't know if this ever happens to you guys, but I was just reading this, and it's something that's totally natural that God actually designed, and he's wrecking me with it because he's like, I developed that process. That the same God who developed the process of how we grow in muscle strength and physical strength pretty much correlates the way that we grow in spiritual strength as well. That it's only when we take what we currently have and push ourselves beyond what is comfortable, even to a breaking point, that we actually begin to grow. See, so some of you guys here today may be going through a season or or you may feel like God is calling you into a season. You're like, I'm not ready for it. I'm not able to step into this. I don't have the leadership capability to step into the spiritual leadership that God may be calling me into. But let me just tell you, man, God, God has something for you. There's not a greater place than you can be when you're at that breaking point, when you're pushing it further than what you're comfortable with, that it's only then that you're able to grow, that the greater the breakdown, the greater the growth. And see, some of you may say that, you know, it, it is going to be difficult, and I can assure you, yeah, there's going to be times. And so that's why we need a spotter in those moments. See, if we keep putting the same weight on the bar, yeah, we may be, you know, we may be killing it, repping it out, you know, feeling like a champ, but we're not actually experiencing gains. We're not actually growing in strength at all. Now, what happens when you put more weight on the bar than what you're used to? You end up being that guy that has the bar, you know, crushing him on his chest. His legs are flailing. You know, his face is turning purple as he's thinking, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. No, 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 I'm just purely hypothetically speaking here. This has never happened to me, of course. Um, but it's in that moment that you realize you need a spotter. 
And now what is a spotter? A spotter is someone who stands nearby or behind you and is ready to step in of when you reach that breaking point where you can't push the weight any further, not another inch, and the bar basically begins to crush you, that that spotter actually steps in and assists you with the lift. Now, they don't do the lift for you, but they assist you. They step in in that moment. It's in the moment where we realize we need a spotter that we actually begin to increase our strength. Now, now just a tip to all those spotters out there. You don't want to be that guy that when your bro is underneath the bar and he's, he's getting crushed, every vein in his forehead's popping out because he's, he can see the light coming, that he's going, and he's like, I'm going to pass out with this bar crushing me right now. And the, the guy's standing over him, you got this. You know, pull yourself together. You're better than this. No, no, in that moment, that's where we want to step in and say, hey, I got you. I got you right in this moment. And so undoubtedly within these last couple, of, uh, last couple of weeks and even this past year here at the house, I mean, we've been seeing just some incredible gains of what God has been doing here at the house. But if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I'm confident of, it's the fact that we, we are not actually doing it all by ourselves. It's only God that's doing it through us. And so before we go any further today, before we dive into the word, I just want to pray and, and give this service over to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us here at the house. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in people's lives and the way that you're bringing about life transformation here at the house. Lord, I pray that, that as we dive into your word today, that you bring a fresh purpose, a fresh vision into our life. Lord, as we dive into your word, let your Holy Spirit fill, fill this presence, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you would, um, we're going to be uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 18 through 22. We're, that's where we're going to be kind of camped out for today. And so uh, as, as you guys are flipping there or um, flipping on your phones there, um, also want to throw a little shout out for the app. If you guys um, happen to use the app, you guys can go in there and see the different verses we're going to be working through today um, and follow along and then refer back to it uh, later on this week or whenever you guys want to. And so while you guys are kind of going there, uh, I just want to unpack kind of the theme that, that God's been kind of revealing to me through reading a number of the different letters in the New Testament, that when Paul addresses these different churches, that one of the common themes is that he's constantly encouraging people to come together. And, and it's because that the church is really, for the first time, being formed, and you have these different churches, you know, starting up all over, you know, kind of the ancient world there, and, and what is actually happening is Paul's encouraging people to come together. It's actually one of the rare times he'll actually kind of call people out. You know, it's like Romans 8.28, you know, like, of, you know, or, you know, Ephesians 2, you know, and, and all these different, like, power verses, and then, oh, hey, and by the way, uh, Apollos, uh, you need to do a better job of meeting together with everybody. You know, don't grow weary in meeting together. But actually, even though you're being persecuted right now, like, still continue to meet together. That it's that important. That it's not just something that is, that's good to meet together. It's something that's necessary. It's of absolute importance. And so in verse 18, we pick it up here. And it says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That since we have been set free, since Jesus Christ took the sin of the world to the cross, and now since Jesus Christ is victorious, that he was raised from the dead and is victorious over sin and death, now what, what do we get to share in? Verse 19, it says, so 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, that there's no longer stranger and alien, there's no longer Jew and Gentile, there's no longer black and white, there's no longer city boy, redneck, whatever you want to put in there, that no, we are all united in Jesus Christ now. Now, what, what, what is that for? Verse 20, that built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. See, this is the picture of the church right here, that it's not about the building. And even though we're excited about here in the next couple of weeks of being able to move into a new building, you know, we've outgrown this building and, and moving into a, a new building that's going to better accommodate our needs and, and give us more opportunity to make an impact here in Northwest Arkansas. It's not about the building. It's not even about just doing good charity in the, in the community. It's actually all about people from different backgrounds coming together, being united in Jesus Christ to bring God glory. And so when we refer to Jesus as the cornerstone, a cornerstone is the very first piece in the construction. It actually, it actually sets the dimensions of the building and it connects the foundation. And so when we say that Jesus is the cornerstone, it's not just another brick that we're, you know, lobbing on top of, you know, we have our family and our friends and our work and our hobbies and all these things. Oh, and by the way, we have Jesus. No, 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 no. It's, it's we have Jesus and without him, there is no building. There is nothing to build upon. And so in verse 22, it says, In him you also, also now are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So now when we allow Jesus to actually be the cornerstone of our lives, we say that, you know, I, I'm done trying to live for the world. I'm done trying to do it on my own. That Jesus, I'm all yours. Jesus, I'm all in. That's where, that's where we actually begin to build what we call the church that actually begins to start the church, that we're starting to live in what God's plan is for us. Now, 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 if we know that that is God's plan, that God's plan is to use the church for his glory, then we also know that the enemy is going to do whatever he can to prevent that from happening. Why? Because it brings God glory. And if it brings God glory, then there's going to be a freedom and a power that can only be attained through him. And so that leads me to my first point, is that community... Community can be challenging. In fact, I can almost guarantee you it's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. In this day and age, it's, it's much easier to, to sit at home and, and scroll through Instagram or Facebook and feel like you're still connected, to feel like you're still kind of know what's going on, you know, keep in touch with people's lives. But let, let me just let you in on a little bit of a secret. Sometimes on Instagram, I use a filter. <laughs> I'll, even, I'll even stage a photo it's not real. It's not actually real life. That, that connection is not defined by double tapping a photo. That, that, that it's knowledge without responsibility. That it's I can know about somebody. I can be in the loop of the latest drama. But, but w w where am I when, when they're actually going through something difficult? When they're going through a challenge? You know, of like, ooh, you know, frowny face. You know, little, little, little tear. You know, that, you know, you know sorry. But... But it's not until we walk a mile in their shoes that we're actually able to, to be there alongside them. And see, during, during this past summer, uh, we actually had this internship, an incredible internship here through Be The One. Actually, uh, Steve Crowder's son, Lance, was, was a part of that internship. And it was incredible as we got to see this great just spiritual growth in, in all three of the interns that were there with us. And, 
And the crazy thing is, is that it didn't come by, by us teaching or us, you know, doing different things. It was actually by doing life together. That many weeks we'd spend six, seven days a week together. That we were, you know, when we'd have them into our home, you know, that we'd laugh together. we joked together. We, we even cried together. We stayed up way too late together. It was when we had them into our home and, and, and I got crushed by them in Mario Kart that we actually began to do life together. And we formed, we formed a spiritual connection. And it was in that spiritual connection that God actually began to grow them in ways that they probably never even thought were possible. And so at the, by the end of the summer, they were on a whole nother level than what they came in, that they had released so much baggage that they had brought with them. And, and so I'm just telling you that it came through community. And, and this is just a little shout out for anyone who's a junior in high school through, through college right now of if you don't know what your summer plans are, I encourage you, come, come find me after service today, and I'd love to tell you just a little bit about some of our Be The One opportunities that we have through the house this summer. And, and because really without that community, yeah, you, you can have the greatest teaching in the world. You can have the greatest, you know, podcast in the world, but it's through community that we begin to see the catalyst for growth. And so Psalm, Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I mean, this is the proof right here. Of if we come together, man, there's going to be power there. But at the same time, intentional relationships can be difficult. But, but, but it's like, why, why is it so difficult? I mean, of all people, like here at the church, it should be easy for us, right? You know, love God, love your neighbor, right? It's that easy. Well, well no, 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 not exactly. That it can be difficult. And, and, and I just want to kind of unpack maybe some of the reasons that, that it can be difficult. Why, when we say, oh, hey, just, just come together, you know, just spend more time together, or, you know, do community, do life together, that it's not always that easy. And so maybe part of the reason is our culture's natural way of, you know, avoiding that awkwardness of walking into a room and, and not knowing anyone. And, and I feel like I specifically have experienced this more than the average individual. Um, I don't know if that's because my wife is more popular than me, and so I end up being a plus one a lot of times. And, and so, you know, we, we show up to a celebration or a party or something like that, and of course, you know, I, I get there first um, because we're coming from different workplaces or something like that. And, and so I walk in and instantly realize I know nobody here. And, and what is my first reaction when that happens? You know, you, you whip out the phone as fast as you can and instantly just start scrolling, scrolling, you know, trying to, you know, make people think that I'm not nearly as awkward as I'm feeling right now. But in the meantime, I'm texting my wife like, where are you at, babe? Like, it's, the awkwardness is building. My social anxiety is going up right now. Like, you need to get here as fast as you can. And she's like, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm like, oh, like take the back road, something, just get here as soon as you can. And in this moment, I can see like other people kind of talking amongst themselves like, man, I, like, do, you feel, do you feel bad for that guy over there? You know, he's all by himself. He, he probably doesn't know anyone. And I can see them scheming and plotting and they're about ready to come over and talk to me. And, and I'm like, oh no, here it comes, here it comes. And so what do I do? I, I fake a phone call, you know, of, hey, hey, I gotta take this. I gotta take this real quick. And, you know, I walk out to my car and whew, crisis averted. All right, we're safe. And, and yes, you know, it's despicable, but, but, but it is true. I have actually done that before. Um, and, and it's why, why, is it, 
Well, why is there that awkwardness? I mean, the, the proof is, if we look at like the, the online dating industry, including dating apps, is now a $2.3 billion industry. Now, that's not a knock if, if you met your significant other on a dating app or uh, a dating website. Um, that's a great, you know, alternative right now. But it's be, the whole point of that was developed because of averting the awkwardness of having to work up that courage of like of going and trying to ask a girl out on a date that is there's an awkwardness that we're going to have to overcome and let, let's just be real people can be weird um the, the reason i know that is because because i can be weird does anyone else have that self-reflective moment where you think to yourself all right on a scale of one to ten how weird am i you know, and, and naturally, naturally, you always think to yourself, all right, at most a one or a two. I mean, it's everyone else that are weird. It, I, I'm, I'm the normal one. And, and, but, but then you think about that comment of like, it's everyone else. Wait a second. If it's everyone else, they always kind of start to point back at me. And, and, and so it's in that moment that you realize, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. It, it's going to be weird. Yeah. And, and so maybe, maybe another reason that that community can be difficult is because there's been hurt that there has been a time where, where you let someone into your life, that you opened up to somebody, but then they used that to actually hurt you. Or maybe someone told you that they would always be there for you, but then when you needed them the most, they were nowhere to be found. See, if people didn't have issues, we would never have these kind of problems, that it'd be a lot easier. But the problem is, is that people are going to say things that are going to hurt us. People are going to do things that, that leave wounds, that don't just go away with time, that leave scars that, that are there for, for years. And even probably as I'm saying this right now, that you guys are thinking about you know, words that were said to you maybe five years, 10 years, even 20 years ago that have still you know, been, been dug into your very soul. And, and so while the world may just tell you, you, know, you just got to forget the past, just move on, you know, like for, forget it, you know, you, you'll be fine. That's not, that's not really how our brains work. That's not really how our minds work. That when, when, when something like that happens, it, it leaves a scar. And, and so because of that, you know, we can't just wipe our memories like we would a hard drive on a computer. That we actually have to make the conscious decision. We actually have to make the choice to release it to God. Yeah. To take it before the foot of the cross and say, I, I, I'm tired of having this rejection. I'm tired of having this, this hurt. And, and I'm laying it down at the foot of the cross right now that we're releasing that grudge, you know, that thing that the enemy was trying to hold us back by, and we're saying that the enemy has no power anymore because we're releasing it at the foot of the cross. And so that leads me to my second, second point for today, is that the gains come from releasing the past. That there may have been a moment that you were counting on your spotter, and, and you were like, all right, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and then you realize, oh no, I don't have a spotter. Oh no, I'm in big trouble right now. That now this isn't running forward, you know, while looking over your back shoulder and feeling like you're still, you know, going full throttle. No, I can tell you that two flat tires and a dented hubcap later on that that is not going to work out for you. Um, once again, not speaking from personal experience or anything, but but it's only when we allow ourselves to be transformed by God that He actually begins to do a work in us. See, the past is going to try to prevent us from what God has in store for us. No, no more can you hold on to your past successes or wins or gains or, or even, even relationships or past friendships than we can hold on to our, our past failures. The, you know, the truth is, is that there's going to be some times where we gave it all and we still came up short. That, that we gave everything and, 
and we still mess it up. But although our past, you know, will will frame what our comfort zone is, you know, a hurt here or, you know, causes us to build a wall over here, that, and although that's our body's natural way for, for us to kind of protect ourselves, that actually can be the, one of the enemy's best ways or the, one of the enemy's greatest ways to actually diminish what God's purpose is for our life. If the enemy can't keep you from salvation in Jesus Christ, then you better believe that he's going to do whatever he can to minimize your impact here. See, isolation is the enemy's playbook. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. But, But see, if you recognize what the enemy is trying to do, then you can actually break free from that and step into what God has for you. Which leads me to my third and final point for today is that, that, that there is power in doing life together. There is a power. That see, in the postmodern era that we're living in today, where truth has become subjective, that no longer is it politically correct, you know, for me to say that I have my truth and you have your truth, that no longer is it politically correct, you know, for me to really actually believe in any truth at all, that it would actually be said how ignorant of you, how foolish of you to actually believe in anything at all. And, and, and so the days of, hey, you know, if I want to actually activate my faith and share my faith with the world, and, and so, like, let's sit down and, you know, let, let's debate some apologetics. You know, let, let, let's walk through the, uh, the Romans road. Let me give you the, the four spiritual laws. But the problem is, is that the world's saying now there is no law. It's almost like this spiritual anarchy that we're living in right now. That it, it, instead, it has to grow through relationship now. It's all about relationship. So a couple years ago, when uh, uh, I spent some time down in the Amazon, and, and while we were on our way out to this village uh, called Siete del Agosto, which if you're a Spanish speaker in the room, you know that that just means August 7th. Um, yes, that was the name of the village. I, I guess when they formed the village, they didn't have a, na- a name for the town, and so they just named it uh, August 7th. I guess it would be the same as if, you know, you get off the plane, you know, getting back into the U.S., and instead of saying, welcome to the United States of America, it's welcome to July 4th. And, and, and so, and so uh, you know, as we were on our way out to this village, um, we were riding in a boat, and, and this boat was really more of just like a, a small canoe with a weed whacker on the back of the end of it. They called it a pecky pecky. I don't know what it was, but it was slow and not efficient. And, and we were not making very much headway getting across the Amazon River to get to this village. And so it was about a three or four hour boat ride going out there. So I'm just kind of making conversation with um, the guy that I'm down there with, a guy named Travis, who happens to be the only guy that speaks English. And so, uh, you know, why on earth, you know, we think that it's a great idea, you know, to go to a place where uh, all of a sudden I'm the only English speaker and everyone else speaks Spanish. And I have no idea what they're saying. That And, and so we're just walking through this kind of different conversation. Like, like, you know, so who are you going to be staying with? He's like, oh, a guy named, a guy named Santiago. I'm like, cool, cool. You know, what, what, is, what does Santiago do for a living? And he's like, well, actually, he's a... Uh, he's a security guard uh, for the neighborhood-friendly cartel. Um, 
And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. You said cartel? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's actually assassinated about 30 men uh, during his time, and he's a very feared and respected person around this area. I'm like, okay, okay, so um, what about the wife? You know, maybe the wife's a stronger believer, you know, that, that's kind of our connection. And he's like, well, actually, you know, the wife's more of a, a believer in spirits, so kind of what we'd call a, a witch doctor. Um, I'm like, all right, all right. If there was ever a moment that I was out of my comfort zone, this is it right here, that, that I have found myself in a all-Spanish-speaking community. I don't speak any Spanish at all. And then also found out that the, the place where we're going to be staying, the home where we're going to be staying at, happens to belong to uh, you know, a security guard for the drug cartel who's assassinated 30 people and then a witch doctor. Terrific. Can't get any better. But see, it was actually, it was actually in this moment that, that God was actually doing something incredible in Santiago's life as we would sit on the floor of his home and we would talk just through intentional relationship, God was actually drawing him into a, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it wasn't by us, you know, sitting down there and, all right, let's debate apologetics. Let's debate theology. That it was actually through relationship that God was starting to draw in his heart. And so three months after I left in November, I was down there in August, in November, Santiago actually accepted the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ and was baptized there in the Amazon and now actually leads a Bible study in his village. Uh, I mean, if that's not the power of God, I don't know what is. I mean, that, that's crazy. It, the, the truth is, is that if you want to make a difference, it's going to be through relationship, that you can have the greatest business plan in the world about how you're going to make a difference and make an impact in the world, but it all starts with a relationship. It starts with caring about people, cultivating that community. That God did not just save us so that we can sit around twirling our thumbs, you know, eating Twinkies, uh, you know, just talking about how bad the world is, waiting for Jesus to come back. No, he saved us so we can actually be an influence in our community. According to the most recent Census Bureau data, in northwest Arkansas, there are 34 people per day moving to the area. 34 people per day. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's actually a lot. Uh, and, and so as great, of a, as great of a pastor as Stephen is, there's no possible way that he can reach 34 people per day. In fact, there's no way that even all the pastors in all of northwest Arkansas could even reach 34 people per day. And see, that's where it becomes about us, that God actually chose to use us, that as imperfect as we are, as much baggage as, as I have, as as much as I've messed up along the way, that's actually the beauty of the gospel, is that God wants to use very imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. That even more when we come together as, as two or three or as a group, that there is a power there. That the Bible says that when two or three or more are gathered in my name, that Jesus is among them. That there is a power that is there with them. And so uh, just a real quick story is I'm kind of finishing off here is that when, when, when we were in Jordan a, a couple years ago, uh, it, was, it was actually about a year and a half ago that my wife and I spent, spent some time in Amman, Jordan. And, and there, there's a number of different refugees who have kind of come to that specific area because of what ISIS had done in driving them out throughout the Middle East. And so we were actually talking with a number of people from northern Iraq, um, from a place called Erbil. And, and as, as we got to talk with a number of these different individuals, one of the common stories that we began to hear was 
the story of how when ISIS would go through a particular town or community and they would learn who the Christians are and they would go and they would actually spray paint crosses on their homes and tents, deeming them as the people of the cross. That that was what, that was how they recognized them. And so when ISIS would come back later on, then they would know, all right, this is who we're going to take captive. This is who we're going to enslave. This is, this is who we're going to take prisoner and, and even kill. And so this spray-painted cross was almost a scarlet letter marking them for an impending death. But see, what actually happened was that as people, as, as ISIS would do this, though, people actually came together in these communities. The believers, the people of the cross, as ISIS had deemed them, actually came together and said, hey, we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in the fear that ISIS is trying to put on us right now. And so actually what's begun to happen is they would actually go and spray paint crosses on their own homes. And they were saying that we are unafraid, that we are actually coming together as believers, that regardless of what has happened in the past, we're not going to allow the past to dictate our future. And so here we are. And, and it actually begun to, to be an influence to their community, not because of one by themselves, but it was when family came together, when friends came together, when coworkers came together and said, hey, we're all in this together, that, that it actually began to be, to share the gospel with their Muslim neighbors, that they saw, man, what, what, are, what are they doing? Like they know what this is doing and that by recognizing themselves as people of the cross. And, and for me, while I was hearing this story, I couldn't help but think, I couldn't help but think, man, how many of my friends how many of my coworkers would, would identify me as, as a person of the cross? That regardless of w- whatever I've been through, man, like God still wants us to be an influencer in our community. And, and, and so my question for you today, is God calling you to step into a spiritual leadership? Is God calling you to step into a, a, another another? Uh, step for him of an influence to actually be an influence in your community so just being practical here does that does that look like a, a life group maybe you feel like here today that you know you know life groups have already started you know i i, I kind of miss that or, or maybe maybe i just started coming here to the house and so i don't feel like i can just join in one let me tell you that couldn't be further from the truth if that is even a thought in your mind, I want to encourage you, come talk to me after service today or find someone out in there in the foyer that has one of those house lanyards on and they would be more than happy to not only give you one group but give you two or three that, that based on your schedule that we can find a place for you to fit in, to get plugged in and get connected even this week. I also just want to give just a sincere shout out to, to all those people who've made the decision to be a life group leader or co-leader or helper that you are the church, that without you, man, it, it just becomes a building. And yeah, yeah, we, we can do a lot of great things, but it's all about coming together. It's about coming together and bearing one another's burdens. And so, oh man, we are so thankful. We are so grateful for the investment that you have made, that the time and energy that you have given that you are making the difference here in Northwest Arkansas because of the investment that you guys are putting in. See, conviction without action is just going to lead to discouragement, that, that we're going to be discouraged. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, this full-fledged, you know, business concept of, you know, what we're going to take steps for the next 10 years. No, all it has to be is just one step today, 
one actionable step that you can take today or tomorrow, this week. And when we actually begin to take that step, that, that is, that's when God begins to do what, what only he can do in our lives. And so maybe, maybe God's calling you today to be a spotter for somebody. Maybe God's calling you to, uh, to be there for somebody when they're going through a hard time of being like, hey, I'm, I'm there with you. Or, or maybe, maybe God's asking you of like, hey, have you been trying to run this race on your own for way too long? And it's time to reach out to one of our amazing life groups and say, hey, I need community. I need other positive influences as I raise my kids. I need other influences in my marriage that are going to build it up and not tear it down. Or maybe, maybe you just came here with someone today and you just need to open up with them and say, hey, I, I've been trying to do it on my own. I, I, and, and the truth is I'm getting weary and I'm getting tired and I need somebody to be there with me. I need somebody there beside me. I want to encourage you to pray. Pray this prayer with me right now. That Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that, that when we come to you, you do not hide yourself. And so, Lord, I just release. I release the past to you, Lord. I release that past hurt that I had, that rejection that I had. Lord, I lay it down at the foot of the cross right now, that Jesus, it is all yours. God, I can't do it on my own. And so today, I'm re-engaging in the community that you have for me. And Lord, I, I believe that you are going to do something greater with inside of me because of this step that I'm taking today to submit to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.